Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Wednesday episode of Equipping You in Grace. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today, uh, we're going to talk about the dangers of a cookie-cutter approach to discipleship. And one of the reasons that we're, we're ta- going to talk about this today is, you know, over, uh, over, over the course of this year, I've done about 30 interviews uh, being interviewed myself, and this is one of the subjects that keeps coming up again and again in the course of these interviews. So I thought that since uh, it, it, I'm being asked about this so often, I thought that I, I would just do an episode talking about the dangers of a cookie-cutter approach to discipleship and, and kind of spell out uh, what I mean by this. Well, first... We need to talk about what it means to be a disciple. And when, when we talk about what it means to be a disciple, the, the word disciple, it means literally to be a learner. It means to somebody who is learning, is discovering, uh, somebody who you know is continuing in the teaching of Christ. We're to continue. We're to continue to read. That's why we're to continue to daily read the scriptures to learn of the and discover even in a deeper way the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done revealed in the 66 books of the word of God. Now, I'm going to use an example. Um, the, the issue here with a cookie-cutter approach to discipleship will become pretty evident when I explain this, but I'm going to explain it anyway for you. And it's this, that, that in, in the literature on Bible reading as a whole, what ends up happening by and large is we have books that are all about how to read the Bible. But we have very few written, not, not only one, which would be mine, but, but several uh, uh, written perhaps to address the motivations, the, the why. Now, when we look in the New Testament, we always see the first, the why. Now, I call the why the indicative. The indicative is you'll see things explained like what Christ has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's because of Jesus and, and what he's done. Um, the imperative is what we're to do, what, the command. The, so what Christ has done fuels what we are to do, how we're to obey in the Christian life. So the indicative fuels the imperative. Now, the danger of a cookie-cutter approach is, uh, even even in this, is say your pastor or somebody says, oh, well, just read the Bible, and that might solve your your problems or um, or something along those lines. The, the, the danger of a cookie-cutter approach is this. Rather than viewing discipleship as the Bible does, as a whole person with a whole need uh, of Christ, what a cookie-cutter approach to discipleship does is it says, hey, look, 
this way works and so this is the way that it's supposed to be done now it's true some things there's only one way for it to be done but there's many ways in which we can take the truth and apply it to our lives for example you know i i by and large uh i, I love to read but i'm also very observant by nature that that's how i you know learn i i learn by reading yes but also I learn by observing even the even the smallest things my wife is amazed by it she's like you picked up on that or somebody will be like you picked up on that and uh they, they sometimes it's kind of confusing but uh yeah even the smallest things and and some of us are that way the, the thing with discipleship is is it's not only caught but it must be taught and it must be modeled. Now, Jesus did this in his ministry. He, you know, went after the disciples. He, he called them to himself. They, fought, they responded to that call by following him, and then he taught them, and then they were to be obedient. Now, this was the example in a biblical discipleship. They, they were called, they were trained, and then they were sent out in ministry. Now, the dangers of a pragmatic approach to ministry is, is this, that uh, what pragmatism does is it, is it focuses on the how. Well, here's how you're to do this. Now, don't hear me when I say, hear me when I say this. People do need to be told how to do ministry. They need to be taught how to do things, okay? Don't get me wrong. But one of the reasons, one of the concerns that I have about this approach is it exhausts people in fact i would say that well that's what pragmatism does it exhausts people because it says here's the command to do it but we don't have the fuel like like right now if i don't have my laptop literally as i record this if i don't have it plugged in guess what's going to happen my laptop is going to die this is what the this is what if we just take the imperative away from the indicative and we just tell people, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and do that, guess what's going to happen? They're going to become burnt out and exhausted, and they're going to wonder, how is this going to work? That That's why you might feel like you hit the wall. Like You're like, wow, where where's the power supply here? You know, how am I supposed to keep going and going and going? The reason if you're hitting that wall is you're trusting in yourself. You cannot trust yourself. We have an eternally self-existing and self-sufficient God. He is sufficient in and of himself. And Christ is sufficient for you. So here's the danger of a pragmatic approach to to ministry then it's it's this and it's very clear that what we're talking about is we burn people out by just giving them more and more things to do do this program do that program but don't plug into the power source so that you can delight in god so that you can be growing in christ yourself and then you serve christ out of your knowing of him now this also presents the, the pragmatic approach also presents another problem it's not only a failure to see people as whole people it's also a failure to see people's problems as complex we want the band-aid what i call the band-aid solution and what i mean is we would rather plug a hole or put a band-aid over people's problems than see them okay 
what what is really happening here what what's what's actually going on what's what's happened in the past what especially as you this especially becomes apparent as you start counseling people with severe anxiety and depression and pornography and even marriage issues it's or even even issues of bitterness and anger i mean the thing is is people's problems they're complex that it's not just okay well that part of their life is a mess uh their problems are complex and, and if we don't see them that way we're not seeing them as a whole person we're not seeing them in in a biblical really i think in a biblical way because what what does the gospel do it addresses the whole person for a whole life lived under god and and by his grace and for his glory and christ is sufficient in every single aspect of what i just said he meets our need he helps us to grow and he continues to help us to grow until the day we die and we go be like christ so if we fail to see people as whole people made in the image of god and in need of the grace of god even us as christians we need the grace of god down to the nanosecond do we not yes we do amen and here's the thing when we fail to just approach things as hey do this do that here's how to do this and here's how to do that we're missing helping people do something that the new testament talks over and over and over again for example the new testament starts not first with what we're to do the things that we're to put on but rather with our character see our character in the new testament it, it, it the new testament focuses first on our character which informs our service for christ so what we do is we have a whole generation of pastors and bible teachers who are trained in a pragmatic approach to ministry we'll just care about the programs at your church and so we give them an endless list of classes in bible college and seminary to take that instruct them hey look here here is this class on th doing this and here's this class on doing that and 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 so on and so forth and the, and the problem is is when this goes down at the local church level you have a, a focus not on people but on program now let me be clear about something so there's no mistake about it i am not against program programs can be a vehicle can be an instrument can be a means to help people grow to be like christ and to provide them an opportunity for to to minister to other people but here's the thing when programs are placed above people that's where the problem lies that's the cookie cutter approach to discipleship that's the problem it just says well just do this and do that and we run people down or we even uh, from the pulpit for example we we talk about uh how we talk about reading the bible well just read through the whole bible this year join us as we read through the bible okay let's talk about that it's a good thing to encourage the congregation to read through the whole bible but how you encourage the congregation is equally as important here's how instead of just saying hey join us in reading through the whole bible say hey you know what join us and delighting in the book in, in the bible that god has given us and he delights over and so we get to enjoy getting to know the lord there's a big difference there you're helping them plug into the power uh, supply that god has provided because god doesn't 
God, yes, he, he, it's a delightful duty to read the Bible. That, that's another thing that I talk about in my book. But the thing is, 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 it's a delightful duty. We delight in what God has revealed because God delights over it. And so we need to get people to understand this takes us past the idea that Bible reading is a legalism. It, it helps people to address the real motivations of their hearts. It, it, this is a good example of addressing somebody's whole need. They need to read the Bible and study the Bible like they need food and water and sleep. Uh, we all need food and water and sleep, but we also need the Bible. Because that's how we're going to get to know who God is. Because that's how we get to know who God has revealed himself to be. It's in the scriptures. It's not in ourselves. So what this cookie-cutter approach to discipleship reveals is we don't really understand what real biblical discipleship is. And that's why, for example, maybe you feel like, hey, my pastor told me, Hey, this worked for him, but guess what? Then you tried it and it didn't work. This is the reason why, pastor, that your people are telling you it didn't work. Because you're telling them what it worked for you and how it worked for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what you need to also follow up with them, here's the principles for why this worked. Why this worked. Not just how this worked, but why this worked for you. You need to understand that so that you can tell your people, the people that God has given you to shepherd. And you as a church member who are listening, the same thing is true for you. What works for your pastor is not necessarily going to work for you because you have a different way of learning and, and all of those things. So you need to take what your pastor is teaching you from God's word and you need to figure out how to apply it to your specific life circumstances, which are different from your pastors, no doubt about it. So what what is the solution to this? We have talked about the problem at great length here today, but it's not enough to just talk about the problem. I think we understand the problem. If you guys have further questions about it, do email me. I'm happy to provide clarification. Dave at servantsofgrace.org is my email. The first solution that I think and I've kind of already hinted at it, is to see people as whole people in need of the grace of God. The, the non-Christian, they need to be saved. They need to repent and believe and trust in Christ. We as Christians are held secure by virtue of the finished and sufficient work of, of Jesus Christ. We are held fast because of Christ down to the nanosecond. But down to the nanosecond, we need the grace of God in Christ. We need to repent of our sins and trust in Christ. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, making the, making the statement, look, you have to confess your sin, okay? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. First John, the next verse, really, the first two verses after that, they tell us the reason, the why behind that. And it's because Jesus is our advocate before the Father. So when I talk about, this is the last thing, that we'll talk about here for this episode, but we need to teach people the principles of the word and help them learn to take those principles and apply them to their lives. So maybe at pastor, at the end of your sermon, what you want to do is you want to spell out, hey, here are some of the main points that I've said, you know, as you're winding down towards the end of the sermon, the back end of the sermon, 
maybe you just go over one or two of the points that you hit on, the major points from from the text, and and you explain them to the people. You explain, okay, this is what it looks like in my life. This is what it looks like in in a life. And this is especially, for example, important as you talk about uh, lamenting, lament and grief and loss and anxiety and, you know, the real stuff of life where in sadness and joy and even the good things in life and even communication, uh, this would be the time to kind of spell some of those things out and flesh out the, the points that you made in your, that the text makes and that you made as a result from your sermon so that the people really understand, hey, these are these are some take-homes that I can take home with me throughout the week and I can apply them. This is maybe what they look like. This is these are how they're illustrated. Now, we are we are preaching the truth. Our job when we preach and when we teach for pastors, Bible teachers, or even writers, our job is to be faithful to the word and to the gospel revealed in scripture, even even podcasters. That's our job, okay? What the Spirit's job is to take the truth of scripture and, and to apply it to hearts, to convict, to comfort, to encourage, uh, all of those things, to equip, and all those things. Our job is to be faithful and to trust the Spirit to do His job, which He does. Part of our job in in this is to take the principles drawn out from a specific text and to help people. One example is a sermon that I just preached. Uh, fairly, it'll have been fairly recently here. Uh, when when this episode goes up, it was actually uh, the the twentieth of November. And what I did is I took Philippians 4, 1 through 13, and I walked people through it, but then I took it, and then I pressed it home into people's hearts. So I explained, Paul says, for example, that that in Philippians 4, 5, that the Lord is near. That's actually the center point, the crux, the theological center, one of the theological centers, for everything that follows. And so the Lord being near, that's why we can be not anxious. Uh, that's why, you know, we can offer thanks with our prayers because of Christ. Now, the, the, the whole context, how it's framed, it's framed because of union with Christ. So what I wanted to do in that sermon is I wanted to press home the reality of, of the Christian's identity in Christ. It's because we have a new identity in Christ that, you know, the Lord is near because of the finished and sufficient work of Jesus. And and what this does is it helps people not just say, okay, Dave, that's great, or whoever is preaching, okay, that's great, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And and, and we should never be getting that. We, we should not be frustrating the people that listen uh, either to our teaching, to listen to our podcasts, uh, that that read our writing, they should be able to understand not only you know very clearly what we're saying from Scripture, but also you know what does this mean? Why, why does it matter? And how do I do it in my life? Because over and over again, you see this 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 model 
throughout the New Testament epistles. It, it is very clear. It's because our character fuels our service for Christ. And if right now what we're seeing is people are burning out, they're, they're tired, they're struggling, they even are tired of reading their Bible. Why? Because they're taught in the wrong way. They're taught that our, their service for Christ is what matters the most and not their character and how their character fuels their service. In fact, that's a, such a big problem right now um, in, in North America among pastors. That's why we have pastors leaving the ministry, being disqualified for ministry, because they don't understand that their fitfulness for ministry, it starts and it ends with their character. That's the big issue. Our character fuels our effectiveness and our service. That's why we need to avail ourselves of the means of grace in prayer, in the word, in community with God's people. You know, we need the grace of God, but we also need one another. And this is this is an example. I need godly friends, uh, a principle. I need godly friends. So what do I do? Do I just sit around and twiddle my thumbs and talk about how I need godly friends? No, I go out and I find godly friends, people who are trustworthy, uh, people who are growing in the grace of God. They, they don't have to be theologically uh, as uh, illiterate or, or biblically illiterate as me. Uh, they just need to be somewhat biblically literate and theologically literate where they can encourage me from the word and uh, from scripture. And this is so important because we need people who can take not just know the theology up up in the clouds, but can take it and bring it down and help people understand what what these things mean. This is where the problem of biblical illiteracy is today. This is why we have a problem. This is why people struggle with assurance, for example. Uh, it, it's because they, they keep hitting the wall because they have the wrong power supply. They don't understand, hey, it's not because of you, it's because of Christ. Now, they know that in their head. They might very well know that intellectually, but they don't know it in their experience because they don't know how to practically take the truth that they know and to practice it, put it into practice. And this is tragic because what James says in, in James you know, one twenty-two through 24 is we're to be doers of the word and not just hearers. So part of the responsibility of those preaching and teaching is to help people, hey, put it into practice. In fact, in that same passage in Philippians 4, Paul puts into practice and he expects people to put into practice what he was just teaching them. He, he assumes that they understand Everything that he says and in verse 10, he uses himself as an example of what he's just said, 10 through 13. And then he says at the very end of verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not a slogan. It's Christ is sufficient. He's writing uh, verse 1 and Philippians 1, 1 tells us he's telling them to stand firm in the Lord. The, the phrase in the Lord, in him, in Christ it's the language of union with Christ. It speaks to this. Paul is saying, look, this is who you are. And then it, he books ends his teaching from verse 1 to verse 13. and says, Christ is sufficient. So this, I'm just trying to give you an example, a very practical example. This is what it looks like in our lives to work it out, to apply the principles. We're, we'll keep talking about this. But I, I hope that this 
is helpful to you. And uh, I've tried to provide quite a few examples for you. And the reason is, is I want you to not only be able to see and understand the dangers of a cookie cutter approach to discipleship, we should not be engaging in this. We should see people as whole people, their problems. We, we shouldn't look at them for more than they are, but most people's problems, especially of like anxiety and depression and pornography and everything, they're complex. And we need to see what real discipleship and how it addresses whole people who have a whole need of Christ and, and God desires for them to live holy before his face and, bef- and for his glory. So I hope that this episode has has been helpful for you. We'll probably circle back here in maybe a few months and talk about this some more. But I just want, I, I've, I've been asked about this a lot. I've been talking about this over the last year and I haven't really talked about it on this show too much. So uh, I hope that you'll find this helpful to your life, to your ministry. And uh, it's a real issue and real people in your church, in your family, uh, that you know are struggling with this. So something to watch out for, something to think about, something to, you know, keep working at as you minister and encourage the saints and seek to equip them for God's glory. Until next time, until actually next Monday and Wednesday, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.